Amen. Well, good morning, River City. Thank you for being here in your place this morning. Many of you are probably looking at me this morning and saying, who in the world is this guy? My name is Heath, my wife, Kayla, and I and our family have been here at River City now for about four months, and um, Pastor Brian has been sick all week, and he's been trying to get better. He wanted to be here with us this morning, uh, but he's still just kind of in a funk and not able to be here. And our pastoral intern, uh, Levi, is also sick. And so uh, please be in prayer for them. And um, I want to invite your attention this morning to the book of Genesis and chapter number 37. The book of Genesis, chapter number 37. Pastor Brian uh, asked me, he said, do you happen to have a Christmas message? And I said, unfortunately, I don't. So we're taking a break from the Christmas season, but you don't want to miss next Sunday as Pastor Brian will be back, Lord willing, and be preaching a Christmas message. We're going to take a break from that this morning and go to Genesis chapter number 37. Look at verse number one, if you would, with me. <clears throat> now Jacob dwelt in a land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his children, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he, went out, uh, so he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. The man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. 
So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass... When Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. This morning, for the next few moments, I want to talk to us this morning from the the scriptures about this topic, trust the process. Trust the process. The year is 1799, and a man named Conrad Reed was enjoying some fishing at, a little, at the Little Meadow Creek in North Carolina. While he was enjoying this downtime, he discovered a large rock weighing in at approximately 17 pounds that that was very interesting to him. It caught his attention. And not knowing what it was, he decided uh, just to take it home. After all, it was something he found, and while he was doing something he was enjoying, and it was just just something was different about this rock. So he took it home, and for the next three years, they used it as a doorstop to keep the doors open. However, in 1802... Conrad's father, John, took it to an expert who identified the doorstop as a lump of gold. That's right, a 17-pound lump of gold. At that time in 1802, that lump of gold was worth $3,600, which was a treasure, to say the least, in 1802. I looked it up yesterday. That 17-pound rock of gold would be worth over $400,000 in today's market. And that doorstop still to this day remains to be one of the biggest gold nuggets ever found east of the Rockies. Now here's what I would like for you to do with this story. I want you to take that story, I want you to put it in your pocket, because we're going to come back to that here later on, but keep that in mind. Many of us know the story of Joseph. Joseph was hated by his brothers because he was the favorite of their father. How many of of you are the oldest child this morning? All right, all right. That's me, I'm the oldest. How about the middle child? Okay, you poor people. What about the babies? Who's the babies? 
you babies are the spoiled ones. I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother that's eight years younger than me, and then the youngest is 16 years younger than me. He's 18, thinks he's God's gift to women. And he is, in, in, with no question, no doubt whatsoever, he is spoiled. I wouldn't say he's the favorite. Definitely not the best looking. But the fact is that in this case, Joseph was the favorite. And then Joseph starts having these dreams. Now, as the oldest of three boys, if my youngest brother came to me and said, hey guys, you're not going to believe this, I had this dream where you guys were bowing down to me, I would laugh in his face. And if he continued, we would, we would scuffle, right? I may be old, but when my brothers and I get together, we still scuffle, right? It's just, it's just natural among brothers. But in this case, it went a little further than that. This became bitterness. This became resentment. And ultimately, it led to a plot for murder. Joseph's brothers are sent out by their father into Shechem to watch the sheep. And in verse number 13 of our text this morning, we see point number one this morning is that Joseph was sent by the father. We see that Joseph is sent by the father. Look at verse number 13 again with me. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Joseph is sent by the father, and, and Joseph's father sends him out to see, hey, is everything going okay with your brothers? I want you to go find out if everything's okay. Come back, let me know how they're doing, tell me how the boys are doing, how the sheep are doing. And while Joseph's father, at this moment in time, did not know what would befall his beloved son Joseph, I'm thankful today to remind you and to remind me that God knows our future. God knows what will befall us. He, he sees and he knows what lies ahead of us. Remember when God spoke to Israel through the, the writing of the prophet Jeremiah, he says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through uh, verse number 13, when he says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. We must remember that if the Heavenly Father directs our paths in ways in which we don't understand in the moment, we can still be confident that he will not only take care of us today, but that he has a plan for us for the future as well. Now before Joseph arrives, as we saw in our text, his brothers, they see him coming from afar off, and they have conceived this plan to kill him. The brother named Reuben speaks up, and he's like, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, guys, this is a, maybe a little far. 
And, and Reuben, he has this plan to try to save Joseph by, let's just cast him in a pit. And his plan was to go back later and to rescue Joseph. But in verse number 23, we find Joseph sitting in the pit. Point number two this morning, sitting in the pit. It says in verse number 23, so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Joseph finds himself in a place that he had no intention of ever being. He wasn't there of his own choosing. Joseph literally and figuratively found himself at a low point in life. After all, it doesn't get much lower than the bottom of a pit. But I highly doubt that as Joseph sat there in this pit, being betrayed by his own brothers, I, I highly doubt that he ever thought to himself and said, you know, I, I think I'd like to just take some time to myself and just sit in a pit in the wilderness. No, nowhere in, in his life has he probably ever thought to himself, you know, I, I really would just like to, I don't know, sit in the bottom of a pit somewhere and just contemplate life. And yet, many times in our own lives, when we find ourselves going through what we're describing this morning as a low point in life, oftentimes these low times, these, these hard times, these trials that we go through are not of our own choosing. It's not somewhere that we intended to be. However, due to the circumstances of life, we find ourselves spiritually, emotionally, mentally at a low. Now granted, there are times when these situations can come as a result of our own bad decisions. I won't ask for a show of hands of how many have been in a bad situation as a result of dumb decisions. I will, be, I will raise my hand, all right? I've been there. But sometimes life has a way of just sucker punching us in the face. And we end up falling down, being knocked down. And Joseph finds himself in this very situation. He's in the pit. And he didn't choose to go there. But I have to wonder, at any point, he's sitting in the pit. He's been betrayed by his brothers. I have to wonder, you know, if he ever thought to himself what most of us would be thinking when we're going through hard, difficult trials. There's this phrase that we use, well, at least things can't get any worse. However, as many of us know from our own life experiences, when it rains, it pours. And that's exactly what happens to Joseph Point number three, we see this morning that Joseph was sold into slavery. He was sold into slavery. Skip down with me to verse number 27. Verse number 27 says, Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, 
for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Skip down, if you would, with me to chapter number 39 and verse number 1. Chapter 39, verse number 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, uh, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. We see that Joseph is sold into slavery. Joseph, again, was at a low point in his life. And it seems, after being sold into slavery, that he's kicked while he's down. I can only imagine what would be going through Joseph's mind as he's being taken out of the pit. No doubt he's, he's hearing voices that he doesn't recognize. He's unsure of what's going on as he's in the pit and they're pulling him up and he's wondering what the commotion is about only to get out of the pit and be put into some sort of restraints, shackles, if you will. And being led away from his homeland, from his brothers, those that are supposed to love him, those that are supposed to care for him. He's being led away in slavery into Egypt. I would imagine that it may have been similar questions going through Joseph's mind that we sometimes ask ourselves when we're going through trials, when we're going through low points, when we're going through difficult situations. Sometimes, after a rough go at life, it can feel as if we're in these spiritual, emotional, and, and even mental bondage. And we often ask ourselves questions like this, well, God, where did I go wrong? What could I have done differently? Was it something that I said? Am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? To find myself in this situation, I feel like I'm in bondage. I feel like I just, I'm just in this weird funk and I just can't seem to get out of it. I'm emotionally drained. I'm spiritually tired. I'm physically weak. God, what's wrong with me? Why am I here? Does anyone, does anyone even care? Does anybody love me? God, do you even love me? And no doubt, these questions could have been plaguing Joseph's mind. And no doubt, many of us have been in similar situations where we go through these same questions and these feelings of, of angst. We, we go through these feelings of depression and anxiety. We, we go through these feelings like, I'm all alone. Oftentimes, these questions come when we don't understand. 
What? God, what is happening? What's going on? I don't understand this. Joseph finds himself being sold into slavery and taken away into Egypt, into a land where he has no one. He has no family there. He has no friends there. He has no connections there. And no doubt, Joseph was struggling with these questions just like any one of us would be struggling. As we read in chapter 39 and verse number 1, we find that he sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar. However, if you look at chapter number 39, verse number 2, and read down through verse number 4, we won't take time to read that this morning, but we find here, this is what happens. God prospers. Joseph, in the midst of his bondage. He's prospering every single thing that happens. How many of you know this morning that it's in the middle of the dark times, it's in the middle of the hard times, when the enemy thinks that he finally has you, Jesus says, you are mine. And Jesus, God the Father, prospers you in the darkest of times. It's in the darkness often that we are used the most. And it's not for our benefit, but it's for his glory. However, after what seems like maybe just a a small sliver of light, a, a small glimpse of hope, Where Joseph's like, yeah, I mean, I'm a slave, but I've been set over all of Potiphar's house. If you go back and read in chapter 39, 2 through 4, God is prospering. I mean, at, at least that's a positive, right? But point number four, Joseph is faced with sinful allegations. Sinful allegations. Look at chapter number 39, verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? If you continue reading, she makes another advance towards Joseph of a sexual nature. And once again, Joseph refuses. You see, Joseph was given a choice to make on two separate occasions that are recorded in Scripture But even in the midst of being a slave, Joseph maintained his integrity. And he refused the advances of Potiphar's wife. Fact. 
When we find ourselves in low places, difficult situations or trials, if you want to call it that, in our lives, we must, must, must be guarded to the fact that the enemy will oftentimes attempt to use these low points as a time of weakness to tempt us to sin. One of the things my dad used to say all the time growing up, uh, my dad was a pastor, and he, he would always say, never make emotional decisions. If you're mad, if you're sad, if you're overjoyous, don't make emotional decisions. Now, oftentimes it would be like big things, like buying a house, buying a car, getting married, things of that nature, right? Don't make emotional decisions. Can I remind us again that we are emotional beings? And our emotions, they deceive us. Oftentimes. I know I'm guilty as a dad sometimes of being frustrated or upset with my kids only to find out that I misunderstood what happened. You see, during the dark times, during the difficult times of our life, we must keep our faith in God and not allow the circumstances of life to cloud our judgment and affect our choices. Fact, the choices that we make during the difficult times or the times of uncertainty will affect our lives for months and years to come, whether positively or negatively. That's a fact. Here's a sobering fact. Generations of your family to follow after you will be affected by the choices you make during the times of greatest adversity. Generations of your family to follow after you will be affected by the choices that you make during the times of greatest adversity. And this is a side note. Don't let what others say about you determine how you live your life for God. Because this woman was accusing Joseph of some very sinful things. And yet, he still chose to honor God. He still chose to live his life for God. Now, as a result of these false accusations, point number five this morning is this. We find Joseph sitting in prison. In verse number 19 of chapter number 39, all the way through chapter number 40, all the way up until chapter number 41 of verse number 13, is the account of what happens when Joseph is sitting in prison. I want to draw your attention, though, to chapter number 39 and verse number 20. Chapter number 39 and verse number 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Joseph once again finds himself in a place that he had no intention nor desire to be simply due to circumstances that were beyond his control. Now during this time in prison, I'm not going to read the entire account, but he meets two people, the baker and the butler. And both of these men have dreams. And guess what Joseph does? He interprets the dreams. And in these interpretations, he says that the baker would die, but that the butler would be restored to his previous position in the kingdom. And Joseph asked the butler, he says, now listen, I'm here in prison. When you get out, just remember me. Just remember that I'm here. Remember that I'm down here. And you know, I mean, like, if you could like sneak my name in there to Pharaoh, that would be awesome. I'd appreciate it. Guess who forgot Joseph? That butler. I don't know about you, but if I had a dream and some guy said, hey, just so you know, you're going to be returned to your former glory, you're no longer to be in prison, I don't, it'd be really hard for me to be like, I don't remember that guy, right? I think I would probably be telling everybody, you're not going to believe this, but there was this guy back in the prison, and he told me about this dream I had, it was really weird, and guess what? He was right. I feel like I would probably remember, but the butler, for some reason, some way, didn't remember Joseph. It wasn't until two years later that Pharaoh has a dream. And the butler suddenly goes, ah, you know what? There's this guy, Pharaoh. There's this guy that was in prison with me. Uh, his name's Joseph. And let me tell you, he, he, he interpreted this dream for me, and it came true. You might want to ask him about this weird dream that you're having, Pharaoh. But I want us to understand this. All during this time, these two years that Joseph is sitting in prison, God is continuing to bless and prosper Joseph. Sometimes we may have to be patient and we may have to wait on God as he is working out his purpose in our lives. My friends, don't forget that in the waiting and in the searching, in the healing and in the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. 
Can I remind you, no matter what you may be going through as you sit here in the seats this morning, God is with you. God is with you. And you may, be, you may find yourself in a season of waiting, but never forget that while Joseph was waiting and sitting in prison, God was still using him, and God was still blessing him, and God was still prospering him. So often it's hard for us when we find ourselves, we're like, man, I mean, Joseph, he went, he was sitting in the pit, and now he's in the prison. It's like, man, God, I went through this. I mean, it was just like, I don't know, like two years ago, and now here I am again, find myself back in a place I don't want to be. And sometimes I, I feel like we just give up. And we're just like, well, I guess I just can't do much for God. Got all these problems, all these trials. Hey, listen, I'm not mocking you at all because I've been there. But can I just remind us that even in the midst of the difficult times and in the hard times that we go through, God can still use us. God can still use us. Now, when the butler remembers Joseph, Joseph is brought before Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And if you'll recall the story of Joseph, Pharaoh has this dream where he sees these cows, and there's sick cows, and there's really fat, healthy cows, and it's really weird. But Joseph interprets the dream, and he says, listen, there's going to be seven years of plenty, bountiful harvest. And then after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. And Pharaoh, it would be a really good idea if you would search out someone in your kingdom to prepare the the nation, the kingdom of Egypt, for the upcoming famine in the land. I want you to look at chapter number 41 of Genesis Chapter number 41. And look down at verse number 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find... Lost my place. He says, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word, Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him... Over all the land of Egypt, Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land 
of Egypt. You see, it was during this time that Pharaoh recognized the favor of God on Joseph. And in our last point this morning, we see that Joseph is set over all of Egypt. You see, Joseph, as we've looked at this morning, Joseph went from being sent by the father, he was despised by his brothers, he was cast into a pit, he was sold into slavery, he was wrongfully accused, he was sitting in prison, and now we find Joseph sitting in second command in Egypt. One of the greatest empires of that day. Over the next few chapters in the book of Genesis, we see that Joseph not only ends up saving the entire empire of Egypt, but also we find that Joseph saves his family, including the brothers who had done him wrong from the famine that was to come. Now, if you... Take a moment and think back over all of Joseph's life that we have looked at today. You will find this. The Lord blessed Joseph even in the midst of the so-called low points in life. My friends, I want to remind us today that God used Joseph right where he was. In every stage of life. Now, it may seem as though Joseph experienced a lot of lows. And you may be here today and you may say, that's me. I've experienced a lot of lows. Or you may even be here today and you may be saying this, I'm in a low. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with depression. I feel all alone. I'm struggling. In Joseph's life that we've looked at over the last few minutes this morning, all throughout the story of Joseph, Joseph did one thing. He trusted the process that God was taking him through. And as a result, God brought him through all of those things And set him in a place of prominence that Joseph would have never reached. I want you to understand this this morning. Joseph never would have been second in command over Egypt and never would have been able to save his family if he had not gone through the difficulties, the low points. You see, sometimes God chooses chooses to take us through a process to get us to a place that he desires for us. Remember Jeremiah 29, an expected end. God has a place for you. God has a purpose for you. And maybe you don't see it now, but can I just encourage you this morning, trust the process. Trust the process. Listen, listen, we don't have to understand every step. We may never understand why God allows us to go through certain things. We may never understand why God allows someone that we love or ourselves to have cancer. 
We may never understand why we can be sitting in that hospital room and the doctor says, I'm sorry, I can't find the heartbeat of your unborn child. We, we may never understand why, why we're sitting by the grave of someone who passed too young. We may under, never understand why that relationship didn't work out or why we were hurt in church ministry. We may never understand any of these things. But can I just remind you this morning that no matter what you've been through or no matter what you're going through now or no matter what you're going through or going to go through in the future, we can trust the process that God desires to take us through. And during our process, our faith can be just like that 17-pound rock. You see, until the rock's composition was determined, its true value was unknown. Even so, until the composition of our faith is determined, its strength truly is unknown. God allows things to happen in our lives and he takes us through our process not to hurt us, but to strengthen and to prune. You see, sometimes the process may not look the most direct. It may not look like what we think it should look like. But God desires to grow us through the difficult times so that we are better prepared for the future that he has for us. Just like in the life of Joseph, he never would have reached that place of prominence unless he had gone through the difficult times. And my friends, I'm here to tell you this morning, I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of countless others. Sometimes God takes us through a process that doesn't seem direct. And sometimes, yeah, it kind of hurts a little bit. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a purpose. God has a plan for you. I encourage you this morning today to recognize that the things in your life that don't seem to add up, the circumstances that don't seem to be the most direct route to you, what you think is the, should be the end result, is very well could be the process that God is taking you through. And I remind you this morning, simply trust the process. My friends, this morning, tell me a time that God's not been faithful. Tell me a morning where his mercies weren't new. Tell me a moment that he hasn't carried you through. Tell me a day that he was less than almighty. My friends, when you look back, you'll find that there was never a time. No matter if you feel like you're in the pit, in the prison, or in the palace, God knows where you're at. He loves you. He has a plan for you. Trust the process. When things don't work out the way that we see them, it's often because God has something better for us. But we have to trust the process that he desires to take us through. 
Trusting God's process is not an easy task. But his process is something that each of us must go through in order to reach the expected end that he has for us. I'll close with this illustration. In 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr. flew his small airplane from New York City to his family home in Massachusetts for a wedding. On board were his wife Carolyn and her sister. And though Kennedy was a licensed pilot, he had not yet been approved for instrument flight, which is only using the instruments to navigate. When their takeoff was delayed until after it got dark, Kennedy should daylight and or sought an experienced pilot to help him. However, Kennedy took off into the darkness. Sadly, the plane never reached its destination, and all three passengers were killed in the crash. Investigators determined that the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or visible horizon. You see, Kennedy's lack of experience may well have led him to trust what he thought he was seeing more than what his instrument panel was telling him. Every single one of us face the temptation to walk according to sight instead of by faith. And we can look around us and we can see things that have happened in our past or things that we're currently going through and we can say, What's the use? We can go through all those questions. We can face anxiety and depression. And we can think, I'm just existing. However, keeping our faith in God is what will keep us from crashing. Human reason may fail us at times, but God never fails. It may not make sense in the moment, but we can be confident that God can and will use us during the process. And that in the end, the final product of our lives that he has for us is far better than anything that we could imagine for ourselves. My friends, I encourage you today, trust the process. God's got this. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we are thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful that we can look to it for wisdom, for direction. And God, I don't know those that may be sitting here today, what they may be going through. But I ask, Father, that each and every one of us that are here gathered together, Lord, that we would just have faith in you. Father, faith in your process. Lord, you desire so much better than what we could imagine for ourselves. And so, God, I'm asking even now that you would work on the hearts of your people to give them 
grace. Speak comfort and peace. Lord, those that are feeling alone, those that are feeling defeated, those that are are feeling anxious or depressed, God, those that are unsure of what life looks like right now, I ask, God, that you would speak peace to them and that you would increase their faith and trust in you right now. Help them to recognize and realize that you want to use them in the middle of their brokenness. Father, we are unworthy people. But God, you love us anyways. And you desire to bring us through a process for our benefit and for your glory. God, help us to submit to your will for our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to sing a worship song here in just a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, hey, listen, um, I'm in a low point. Come pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, find somebody. We would be happy to pray with you. This morning, if you say, hey, I, I would love to trust God in this process. I just don't even know where to start. If you're here this morning and you say, I've never placed my, my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, come this morning. Let's sing this worship song.